0: Today's stop is Chavaz 26. We are finally going to transition into the Shofar part of, our sh- of this Mesechet. We just wrap up issues of Kiddush HaKodesh, and we pick up on the bottom of Chafayam Mitzvah. Um, it's about ten lines on the bottom, four, five lines before, before the lines get wide. We're based in Yom So the mission assumes... But if the bastion sees it, um, they still need to go for the formal process of testifying um, and discusses, you know, breaking off and having some people testify. The Gemara doesn't understand why this is true, because the Gemara will introduce the principle of that hearing it is no, is, shouldn't be better than seeing it, so why would you need to testify if you saw it yourself? So that's now the issue the Gemara puts its attention to. Let's take a look. Here you go. Why do you have to have people break off and testify? hearing from witnesses should not be better than seeing it yourself. Um, again, the position assumes, no, you need to go through a formal process, but okay. I'm um, Rib to we're going to So you saw it at night, and since as we've been emphasizing before, that you can only do this process in the day, you could only accept the witnesses in the day, and even if you accepted the witnesses in the day, you can only say Makudish Makudish in the day. So if they saw it at night, their act of seeing does not count like an act of receiving testimony. Now notice, by the way, your response would be, Who cares? They still know. So the next morning, I know, I saw it. Why do I need to hear testimony? So the Gemara does not go so far, even in this line of Lote Shmigodomri to say that knowing uh, avoids the need of a formal process. All it is suggesting is the act of seeing should count as an equivalent formal process but it still is an act of seeing that counts instead of an act of hearing testimony. So the same way the hearing of testimony must be in the day, the act of seeing must be in the day. So the word is not being so radical to say, who needs witnesses? You know, you saw it yourself. No. Seeing counts as hearing witnesses, um, and therefore, if the same way you don't see witnesses at night, the seeing at night doesn't register, you have to wait till the next morning, and then the next morning you need a formal process, so you have to now accept the witnesses the next morning. Okay, and the idea they saw it at night is, of course, completely understandable, because the new moon is visible at night, not in the day, right? The sun sets, and then you see the new moon. So the seeing didn't count. They have to wait till the next morning and then they have to hear the witnesses. Okay? If three people saw and you can't just have two break off because you don't have enough left, then you have to have two break off and you have to replace them with two other people to now serve on the basin. Same question. Why do you need a formal testifying? Just the seeing should count as the same process you'll give me the same answer they saw it at night same story and therefore you've got to do this the next morning and therefore you need to accept witnesses no so why do you need the second case it's telling me the same thing as the first case the says no. no there's a new point added in the end that one person is not again this funny phrase Believe, but one person can't serve as a basin I would have thought since we teach that you normally judge monetary cases with three and if the guy has authority and is an expert and the acknowledged, knowledge you know for the masses whatever means, we'll talk about it when we do Sanhedrin anyway even an in individual person can Sometimes be a judge, maybe here, maybe here also. You can do it as an individual judge. Kamash Mulan, that you can't. Okay, so that's the chiddush. The chiddush in the end is that you can't have one person as a judge. The Eima, not about Shmi and Kaka, that's a good argument if one person is a judge for, biblically for Dine Muminis why shouldn't he count as a judge for with the, the new moon no um, um, no because nobody is a greater expert and authority over the Jewish people than Moshe and God says you need to have Aaron with you okay of course a little bit of a problem is that Aaron is most are brothers yeah. so they're possible as Dayanim but okay as a model that you need a basin you can't do it by yourself okay and again the, uh, an obvious reason would be that here the basin is not just to sit judgment but to represent the Jewish people so you need actually a you know at least a larger group than one to be a representative 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 of the entire people. Okay, but the basic point is, why do you need to accept testimony? Because seeing counts as a formal process of accepting testimony, but that can only be in the day, and this was at night. Okay, so the Marthas, says Ad 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 Now this Mishnah says that an a, not somebody who actually testified, could be a judge, because that would mean that you wouldn't need to bring other people. You'd stand in front of the one guy, you'd say, here's my testimony, and then you'd turn around and say, okay, good so testimony. That would be one example of Ad Ad That's what Christ calls aid Hamed Nassad, Die-in. that's an extreme case we might say that by certain cases of or whatever but here we're not talking about aid we're talking about aid the fact that you, I am the judge you Charlie you were part of my base and you went and you testified I'm listening to your testimony but I also saw it myself so maybe that makes me partial and since I have the ability to be an aid I cannot that disqualifies me from serving as a die so that's the question somebody that the possibility of being an aide now is serving as a dai Is that really true? low um, Let's say it's not like Reby Akiva at the time we turn on the Braissa. Um, a, a Sanhedrin that saw, I mean at least a twi- group of twenty three, which you need for capital crimes, somebody who committed murder. says fine. let some of them serve as witnesses and the others We'll have other people join them and they'll be the judges plus other people. So even though you saw, you can still serve as a judge. You didn't testify, somebody else will testify, but you doesn't disqualify you from serving as a judge. Maybe Akiva Omer, Kula Nasu Adim all of them are witnesses ain't able not to die in if you are if you saw it you are disqualified from being a judge so isn't our mission not rabbi akiva Somebody says no a few of them akiva even rabbi akiva akamukam rabbi akiva hasam elabdin in the paschos subhanan meve shatway de vitlaita rabbi akiva says you cannot be a judge in a in, in, a, in a capital crime because then you are already biased based on what you saw and by the way as we know you know I, I don't know if they, they didn't know this before you know the pastor used to think that eyewitness testimony is the most reliable yeah. you know now of course they know that eyewitness testimony is highly unreliable yeah. so anyway but even if you ignore the unreliability of it you know the whole issue that they have about like showing pictures to the jury and that the gra- you know sort of like the graphic nature of the pictures will you know will paint them and will you know will sort of will, will lead to uh, you know so that uh, that, that they won't be able to sort of judge it rationally and clearly because their emotion, emotional reaction to actually witnessing it you know will have an influence so that's sort of what's saying you know if you saw it yourself you've got too many things that are might be influencing your ability to judge this impartially with a certain sense of a distance so that's why Rabbi Akiva says if you actually saw it you cannot serve as a judge um, um, so they'll judge the congregation they have to try to say the innocent people. You need a certain amount of dispassionate distance. The is And, if you saw this guy commit murder, lo You'll be so biased, you won't try to argue in his defense. You won't try to think about extenuating circumstances, and maybe you didn't exactly see it, you know, or maybe you misunderstood something. In your mind, emotionally, what registered is this guy's a murderer, and I saw it, and I saw it. So therefore, you're disqualified. But here, for something like a Rabbi Akiva would not say that seeing the new moon disqualifies you from hearing witnesses testify to the new moon. Okay, so there are three cases. By dina nefashos, you cannot even if you look at Tosos. Nice little summary at the end of Tosos to Rahmana Amar. Tosa says the following. He says like this. Ubaid it's about six lines before Tosos' ends. The line starting with the Ube'ed not to die in yesh'inim chalukin, k'moshe parashim perakbein zik suveth. is a chodesh del raisa, ed ha ro'ehudinah sedayim. That in in a chodesh. if you saw, you can still be a judge, you're not disqualified. Ube'kim shtar shtar abana, when it comes to validating the signatures on documents, which is only rabbinic, a few ed hameid Even You could testify and then turn around and be the judge. Okay, so that's the opposite scheme. Ubudina in the first shows, and as we saw, in capital crimes, a few ate Haroah in the Nasa Dayan. Even just seeing it disqualifies you. Okay, so in an extreme case, Keem Staros, you can testify and then be the Dayan. In most cases, in the middle, if you see you are not disqualified, but you can't play both roles. And in DNA the first shows, <coughs> the very fact that you saw it disqualifies you. Yes. Uh, you're referring to DNA you nephastos know, as capital cases, but there are cases that are not capital cases where the family would be lashes rather than... So which one did that fall into? Yeah. Okay, so that's a good question. Right. I mean, Tosos has extremes, right? What do you do about yeah. normal DNA momenus or whatever? Right. Okay. So let's... Yeah, we'll, we're just going to leave that as a good question for it's now. It's interesting yeah. that the biblical word that we translate as congregation is really the group, collective group of witnesses. Uh, no, t- I don't want to get. I don't want to get into that. That no, has to do. That has to do with the sense that in the psukim, you know, the psukim it has that the witnesses throw the stones and whatever. And there's a sense like the whole community is judging through the court system yeah, but it's not okay but it is the congregation it's just the congregation as all active participants in the judgment through the various judicial terminology that is used to describe the congregation of the people yeah yeah okay let's now transition to finally the part of this Mesechah that deals with Rosh Hashanah Starting with the mitzvah of shofar. Okay, All horns are good for a shofar. Khutz except for that of a cow. Um because it's a, a a Karen. What does that mean? We'll unpack that. Karen. You can't say because it's called a Karen, because all shofarot are called a Karen. How do you know that? Uh, um the verse says, When you draw out, extend the keren, the horn of the yovel, and yovel is a ram, as we'll see in the Gemara. Um, so, therefore, a ram's horn, it's also called a shofar. because, I'm sorry, that's not a Pasuk by, by, by Harsinai. That's a pasuk by Yehoshua. But it says, <laughs> This actually talks about the falling of the walls of Yericho, excuse me. So it says, The end of the pasuk is, Bishamachemeth shofar.'" Okay, and then ya Kola etc., and the walls will fall. Okay, so anyway, there we're talking about a ram's horn, because as we know from Har the Yovel is a is a shofar. And it's called here a keren. So even a ram's horn is called a keren. So why do you make a, po- a, a cow's horn any different? Let's take a look at the Gemara. Shabir, uh Kama Reb Yosi. Reb Yosi makes a good point. <laughs> even a ram's horn is called a keren. Rabbanan, the rabbis would say back, Koa shofaros, I- I- shofaros, all other horns, shofar, are called both a shofar and a keren. Now, where do you know other horns are called a shofar? The Gemara doesn't say. But Rashi points us to Harsinai, where it says, Chayovel, Hema Ya'alu Bahar, right? Not in so carrier, and then it's and then the Posak says, by he call ha shofar, hole me'od. So there the yovel which we are taking for granted means a ram's horn is called the shofar. So other horns are called a shofar and are called a keren Tipara Karen equis shofar lo equis. The cow's horn, it's only called the Karen, not called a shofar. the, chsiv, the verse says, the sho uh, ro hadar low, the carne rein karnav. The first firstborn of the ox is a glory to him, and the horns of a rain, which is which is normally which is translated as what's a rain? Wild, wild ox is a rain. I've often seen other ones like a uh, I don't know. I don't know, other not know, other animals identified for him. Anyway, yeah. it's horn. Okay, so anyway, you have horn associated with ox or cow, and you do not have the word shofar associated with it, so because it's never called a shofar, it's invalid. So I'm going to read this a little, and then I'm going to tell you the Ramban's understanding of this, which puts, makes a little bit more sense of this. Rabbi Yossi, he will say to you, the paranami kri shofar. What are you talking about? A cow's horn is also called a shofar. The chziv, the teitiv la Hashem, be, my offering will be more desirous to God than an ox-cow, so or not cow, an ox-bull, okay? Um, do we use the word ox and bull any differently? bull ox. Yeah, a bull ox. But anyway, but the bull or ox refer to, anyway, in the Gemara, a par refers to a, uh, one only after it's like three days old. And a shore is even when it's just born. No, that would be parah. So, I don't know. But I'm saying in English, do the word ox and bull mean something different? They're different animals. They are? Yeah. No, they're I thought well, they're both male cows. They're, they're both. I thought an ox and na- All right, know. I don't know. Anyway, yeah. okay, Mishur Par. So the word says, Mishur Lama Par. If it's a sure, which is again when it is, um, when it is young, even young, it's called a sure. Why are you calling it a par? The par. And if it's from an older cow, um, cow bull, lama sure Why are you calling it a sure? Elamai sure par. What does sure par mean? Me shofar. Oh, so sure par shofar. So therefore, you see that an ox's horn is also called a shofar. So I just got to tell you this, like reminding sure par, sure par shofar. So anyway, size cousins said that once like 20-30 uh, like years ago we saw this movie in Israel which had like subtitles it was an American movie so in the English they were like uh, you know they were bringing out like uh, soup and rice for dinner and it sort of said soup, rice soup, rice surprise so then he, so he said the, the, the subtitles read Maroc Marak ores, Marak ores, hafta. <laughs> anyway, there you go. Okay. Anyway, sure far, so far. There you go. Um, so yes. It says an ox is simply any bovine that is trained to be a work animal. Ah, as opposed to a bull, which is just a male cow, but it's not right, trained it, that way. most oxen are actually castrated males. Ah. Okay. Yeah, and the right. bull is a castrated doesn't make it a different species. It doesn't no, make no, it castrated. No. Yes, but it's still, I would say, significant. Yes, okay. Yeah. Anyway, okay. So now the Gemara says, right. So the Gemara says, Rabbanan, so what would the rabbi say back? Rav Masna! They'd say back like Rav Masna, Masna, my sure par. that it was one day old. Again, just getting back to things that when things at time of creation were created fully developed. So even when it was a sure one day old, it was as big as a par. Okay, but now, we're basically saying the whole debate is: is a, is a cow's horn ever called a shofar? Exactly. A okay. So uh, so now obviously this is not totally satisfying. In the end, we're having these tiny little debates about: is is, is is do we ever find that a ram's horn that that a cow's horn is called a shofar? Everything is called a Karen. It's also called a shofar. Is this called a shofar? So the, the Gemara tries other answers. So. Um, let me tell you the real reason of the rabbis that says that they don't want a cow's horn why in Yom Kippur does the gadol not wear the gold garments vestments into the Holy of Holies when he does the Avodah to do the service because the uh, prosecuting attorney cannot turn around to become the defense attorney gold is the prosecuting attorney it evokes the Ha'egel, and therefore it cannot be used to um, in the in the Avoda. Okay, so And the shofar is also from the, the k- a cow, so it evokes Ched Ha'egel. You're not going to use it. Now that's, now that's a Kategor and Tzenegor. Okay, thank you. So now the Gemara is going to obviously point out some of the problems with this argument, both internally and as a parallel to the shofar. Let's take a look. The low? Really? You can't have that? You can't have anything related to cows in the Avodas Knim? You can how about the blood of the ox that uh, that's brought in um, in the avvotus panim Yom Kippur Someone says, no hold the Ishtani. It doesn't look like a cow anymore, okay it's blood, so that's not as evocative. says um, the How about all the other things that are gold inside of the Kodish kodash and the aaron and the and the cover and the and the cherubs? No, no, but this is well. We're talking about in the innermost sanctum. So the Gemara says, um, uh, The sinner cannot use things that evoke the sin, the gold or whatever. Or, or the or, or the shofar, you cannot use the things that are evoking the sin. You're the sinner approaching God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> These things are just part of the furniture. You're not using them and re- bringing them in and approaching God with them. Okay. So the Gemara says, <laughs> But Aaron brings in the fire pan and the uh, you know and the um, and the pan that carries the incense. The Aaron, the coin gogo that's gold. No, the problem is as a sinner, you cannot use these things to make yourself like, to, you know, look, look nice and to beautify yourself with. Whereas these, they're just vessels. Again, I don't know exactly the difference, but clothing is very different. Again, how that relates to a shofar is not clear, but clothing, I would say a little different than yisna'e, clothing identifies you, like clothing is part of your identity, right? You put it on your body, it becomes integrated into who you are. So therefore, you don't want it that close to be attaching your identity to something that evokes the sin, as opposed to just using the vessels. Now, of course, you'll say the shofar also is a type of a vessel. Right, so, you know, Rashi Tosa says, okay, but you're some how glorifying yourself it makes beautiful music so somehow it more connects you to it than just using it as an inanimate vessel okay but you're seeing already the weakness of the of the whole parallel okay so somebody says how about uh, you know what you wear when you do the other avodas and the you know the gold investments that you wear outside of the Kodesh Kodoshin it says okay it's only a problem to do it in the innermost sanctum so the says, shofar not the bichutzu. The shofar isn't in the kodesh kadashim. It's the says, kivon can be on me. No, because the shofar. This is like the, a great Rosh Shana sermon. Yeah. No, the shofar it pierces right, on, you know, right through all the heavens, right into God's innermost sanctum. It comes up to raise our memory before God. So it's bringing us in direct encounter with God, and that's like we like sniffing. <laughs> okay, very powerful statement, and therefore it can't be out of a cow. So the Gemara says, autonomous nation karen kamar." So the Gemara, how would you say that it's this whole thing about cows and agel? The Mishnah says, "Karen." That's the problem. So the Mishnah says, the Ode kamar." Yeah, that and something else. Chara, number one, or no something else and that um, number one. Chara, the first point, the real point is the enkategor and that you can't use things from that evoke chayta Thing which is not my real argument. I'll just throw it in. It's a Karen. You'll say back the your whole issue about using things that evoke I don't buy your whole argument that 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 chauffeur is like the is like the kodesh Kadashim, That's only in the kodesh kedushin. The chauffeur is outside. And your argument that it's all Oh, even even a ram's horn is called a Karen, so that's not an argument. But notice what the Gemara did. It didn't just introduce another argument, it made the other argument primary. Because the Gemara really recognizes the weakness of this whole Karen argument, and therefore, in an astounding way, it's not like it's got a catch and a contradiction. I mean, this is really astounding. Like, the Amarim are just bothered. Like, what type of argument is this, is argument? Karen, or whatever? So they invent new arguments, and they try to say that the whole argument of Karen in the mission is a secondary one. So we're not done. This is one thing of Kategor Senegr. Now we're going to give another thing. Let's take a look. Abay our Abay says, This is the reason of the rabbis. Shofar Machmana. shofar. It says a shofar. And um, it only says shofar, by the way, explicitly by uh, Yovel, not by Yom Kippur. And not two or three shofar. Out, and we're going to learn later that you can't stick one shofar into another one and blow. So the Hadapara and the one of the cow, Kivan Dekai Gildi Gildi, since it's basically in they in layers show for us. it looks like two or three so now, hey, guess what guys We can make a secliata, we can erase the pictures of the moon <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there's that so, um, so anyway, but apparently a, a, a cow's horn looks something like you know, it looks like they're segments you know, each thing that grows new each year Okay, so that looks like two or three roads. and therefore that's why it's not good. So the Gemara says, "Vatanu um, issue karen kamar," but the Tana says that the problem is because it's called a call to karen. So the Gemara says, uh, we were we yeah. No, that one thing, and that also. So the real thing is, it, it can't be two or three, and this looks like two or three. Oh, and then the other thing, Neishu Karen, Reb Yosef will say back to you. The all the Since it's all connected, it's not really two two different things. It's one. The The other thing, is a horn. not Okay, they're all called one. Now, it's fa- as I said, fascinating that the Gemara, you know, it under like it's f- like can't relate to the power of the, the, the point of the rabbis and is making up new arguments. Okay? And clearly, right, there's some, so, you know, there's some, they, they can't understand exactly the significance of do you find that it's called the karen or not find that it's called the karen and so on. So, what's really going on here? So, Ramban, um, you should be aware, and this will be relevant for the rest of the Mesechet, Ramban is the famous Rasha L'Rasha shana, which it's really like, I can tell you, I, I, I uh, unless you were a Talmud Chacham, I pitied the people that had to be in the show when he Gave his Drasha Rosh Hashanah because basically it's his commentary to Mesechus Rosh Hashanah from this point on, basically topic by topic, where not like line by line, but basically and discusses every single topic that arises within the issues of Hilchus Shofar and Hilchus, you know, Tzilan Rosh Hashanah and goes through everything. It's a great parish on Mesechus Rosh Hashanah. I don't know exactly about giving it in Shofar your Drasha. At, at the very end of like what must be a hundred pages, he has one paragraph that's Musa, Okay? It's basically his basic muster is he says look if you didn't have the opportunity to do shuva you would sin once and then you'd be punished for your sin now that God's given you the opportunity to do shuva every minute you're not doing shuva you're fe- essentially repeating your sin uh, so, <laughs> so you better do shuva that was his muster the rest of the time <laughs> was spent in a hundred pages of a commentary on, on, on topics of Rajashana. so one of the first things he deals with is this issue about karen and he says what's going on here ikri karen not ikri karen and he says actually says if you look at the mishnah the mishnah doesn't say the problem with a para is that is that it is called a karen the mishnah says the problem with a para is ne shehu karen and the ramban says that keren, what is the real difference a cow's horn doesn't have marrow it's all bone. You have to carve out the bone to make it into a horn. Whereas a other a ram's horn has marrow and you just essentially scoop out the marrow. And therefore, he says, a cow's horn, to be a musical instrument, is essentially manufactured. right? As opposed to a other animal where you scoop out the marrow, that's essentially a natural shofar. So he says the difference isn't what it's called. The difference is is that a type of a thing that you have to basically that we create as a manufactured musical instrument, which is what karen means, there is that's invalid, because it is essentially different than something that is naturally can be used as a shofar. So now, how that fits into the Gemara, why does the Gemara bother with the psukim? So he tries to make it fit into the Gemara. But p- p- putting the Gemara aside, it's a great shot in the Mishnah. The mission says not Okay, and by the way, somebody said to him afterwards. This is just so wonderful because it's like it's just so real to life. Somebody said to him, "Oh, Tosfos already said that Chiddush." He says, "What do you mean Tosfos said that Chiddush?" So if you look at Tosos, right, it says uh, So Tosfos says Chutz uh, Mishal Para. Tosa says How Tani Nami why didn't it also exclude their aims? Because so it says, maybe they're not naturally hollow, hollow, and they're not fit for being a shofar. So you see, it says, because it's not naturally hollow, it can't be a shofar first of all if Tosos said it then wonderful and I was machaving to Tosos and that's wonderful but, but by the way Tosos isn't saying it Tosos says that we didn't bother excluding them because they're not usually used they're not usually used for itself he didn't say that's the reason that it's being invalidated the mission it says the reason it's invalidated is for that reason Tosos is just saying it wasn't relevant to discuss another case because those things are not used so anyway Tosos though does Recognize the difference of the physical difference between a cow's horn and another type of a horn but the Ramban says that's actually what the Mishnah means who Karen not Nikra Karen you got a question? no? ok alright fine so now the Gemara back to the Gemara so the Gemara says my mashma three lines down in the middle sized line my mashma the yuvla um uh, the high uh, Yuvra listen to Dichrahu why what makes you where, where do you get the idea that Yovel means a ram's horn because that's been our assumption and whether it's called Soph called Karen but we understand it means a ram's horn the time we I'm rabbi Akiva, because you la arvaya. when I went to Arabia how you're calling they would call a ram a Yovel and that's important now we understand that when the Torah says Yovel it means a ram's horn now we're going to get into a little passage about how you can learn uh, sometimes uh, difficult words from the vernacular you know it's sort of like scholars Colors, right if they're trying to reconstruct what words meant ancient Semitic languages they'll also like look at you know how certain words are used in the vernacular today in Arabic and so on and try you know so how the people are using the words can often be a good evidence in terms of what those words originally meant. So, there we're going to actually have some examples of that. <laughs> so, I'm a to read the Akiva. So, When I went to... Uh, where is that? Not to Galilee. Um, Galicia? No. <laughs> no, maybe it means... Uh, what do you call it? <laughs> what, what, what's... Uh, no, where's... What, what, what was Fran- oh, Gaul oh, Gaul. Gaul. Yeah. I was thinking Gaul. When I went to Gaul, you him the Nida Galmuda. They called the Nida Galmuda. My Galmuda... What does Galmuda I mean? This woman is separated off weaned away from her husband okay Dimar doesn't say what difference that makes Tosa says that it helps explain a pasuk um, okay the Amar Rebbe Akiva Rebbe Akiva says when they went to Africa how you fascinating the Rebbe Akiva went on all these trips yeah. okay how you calling the Ma'a Kisita they called the Ma'a a certain coin a Kisita why do I care? To explain the verse of mea kesita. I know it's, you're mea donkey. That's in the Torah. What does it mean? It means a hundred donkey, which is a hundred ma'ah. I know what unit of coin we're talking about. I'm a Rebbe. Now we're going to talk about Rebbe. When I went to the islands, they would call selling kira. What difference does it make? To explain the verse, I share karitili, that I was kore for me, which now we're going to say means I purchased for me. I'm Shimlakish. Now we're moving from Tanaim Kamarayim. Kesalakli with Khum Khan Nisharia, wherever that is. How you call him Lakala Ginfi? They called a bride ginfi. Ulatarnagol And they called a, a rooster sikhfi. Likala ninfi mikra, what's the verse? You say nof misof kohaarek. So the glory, you know, uh, the, uh, the beautiful uh, uh, foliage—not uh, foliage, whatever. Uh, anyway, uh, what, what do you call the things of the tr- of the trees? I guess the foliage, but the whole crown. Anyway, um, anyway, whatever it is. Uh, how do they translate? Nof? Uh, nof, What's the beautiful view? View. Oh, no, no. Okay, beautiful view. View the joy of the whole of the whole world, land. So nof and Ninfi, you know, Kala is beautiful. So that's Kala. Ninfie is Greek, according to corners. Ah. Meaning what? Uh right. Right. Interesting. Ninsi? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Would that be any anything at all like neophyte? Ninsi probably not. Probably not. Okay. We're trying to go see Amarav, Yehuda, by ben what's the verse? Nishas, chachma, O minatan, vina. Who places in the tuchot, which are here read as the kidneys, wisdom, and who gives to the sechvi, understanding. Nishas, chachma, Those are the, um, the kidneys, which are were understood in the ancient world to be, um, to be where wisdom um, and understanding t- came from. O and if that sounds weird, you know, the heart is not the seat of emotion. The heart is just a pump of blood, but we associate the heart with emotion. So what organs of the body metaphorically are associated with, you know, is not does not necessarily make sense. So you know, so okay, kidneys is where your is where your wisdom comes from. (laughs) Oh, maybe maybe you're right. Maybe that is why it's connected. Okay. Um, so that's the rooster that knows when to crow in the morning. Okay. Levi, equalahu Asra. Levi came to a place. Asla, Gavala, Kameh, and Amaleh, and it's wherever the place is, doesn't matter. And a person came and said to him, Um, Ploni. I was Koveya a certain person. So, you know, I was Koveya Joshmo the other night come he didn't know what he was talking about so Shah made me to Russia so he went to the study hall he said I'll ask my colleagues they'll tell me what this means you know, I, don't, I don't normally talk to the uh, common people here. I don't know what that, what that word means it's some vernacular so anyway so Amri they said to him Gazlin Amr he said I stole from somebody Deceive, as the verse says, Elohim." Well, a person steal from God, right? And then is "Damek ha'masir You stole from me by not giving the maaser. So "kavan" means to steal, which is interesting. It's based on a puzzle It's not just Talmud vernacular. Why do you not know it? Anyway, Amalei Rava Yibarnish So Rava from Barnish said to Ravashi, If that had happened to me, if somebody said this word and I didn't know what he was talking about, I would have said to him, "Back to the guy who said this to me." I was Kovea So and so. I would have said to him, Hey how did you convey him? With what were you kavacha, Why were you koveyahim? Based on his answer, I would have figured it out. My context, very smart. Um, it's like me. I always forget people's names. So I just start talking to them and I hope that eventually I'm, <laughs> I'm going to remember who they are and put them into some type of a context. Oh, right. You're my cousin. No, okay. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, so I would have just started asking him questions, and eventually I would have figured it out. The EU Savar, and he held, No, he was actually telling him something of Easter. Now, he did tell him something of Easter, stole, but the Gemara means even something more unsavory, and he did not want to enter into a conversation about finding out the details of this unsavory thing. So he just wanted to end the conversation. Okay. Okay, now. Um, Laura um, Yadi Rabbanon, the rabbis, here Rabbana means the rabbinic students, didn't know my seirugin. what the word seirugin meant, which appears in the Mishnah, which is pretty funny because it's a pretty common word in Mishnah Hebrew so sham'u'a to be rabbi so now basing on just the vernacular they heard um, they, they heard the uh, maid servant in Rebbe's house the chazisnihu rabbanan the Ayo piski piski she would she would see the rabbis the students coming in like groups and groups not all at one time and amr and she would say she said to them av how long are you going to be coming in seirugim Rugim. so they figured out it meant not to do something continuously but to do it in break it up in, in increments ok um, um, so a lot of the Yadi Rabban and the rabbis didn't know my Chalug Logot what are Chalug Logot which are a certain type of vegetable which are relevant for certain issues about a Zav and knowing whether he ate them and so on and how to attribute the flow so Yom HaKad Shemua the Debei Rabbi one day they saw the maize of in Rebbe's rabbi's house the Chaz who gathered the Parpachine that he saw person in person that was scattering his Parpachine which is it's the, the pursling thing persling. there you go Amalei she said to him A okay so now they figured out what it was and this is just like me you know this is why I'm always asking Charlie they're like okay so what does Shineshub say so it's like how do I know what these words mean? you know Partic- particularly you know words that describe like nouns that describe the you know there's like an infinite amount not infinite but obviously you know, in terms of the, the the different objects that we deal with in the day that normally don't come up in like rabbinic discussion, right? I mean, if you just think of all the different words we've got to describe all these different objects, so whenever the Gemara starts talking about like realia and uses particular words, I have no idea what it's talking about. You know, how frequently do you do you do you encounter those words in in, in, in legal texts? So here they are; they're figuring it out by based on how the actual vernacular and how it's used. Okay. Yadi Rabanan, the rabbis didn't know my what it meant you will be salstel it understood to be the Torah, and it will raise you up. So what's salsalah? once they saw the maid servant of Rebbe's house um, or they heard the maid servant of Rebbe's house she would say to that man the that was always like playing with his hair you know and fiddling with his hair and how beautiful his hair was and so, so on, on right the Rashi by Yosef how long are you going to be you know, <coughs> playing with your hair first so, what, this maid servant must have had a doctorate in entomology. no I, I think oh, the problem I think the problem more is, is that she just is closer to the uh, you, know, you know to the people I mean and she's using the vernacular but I also think she used a pure ancient form of the Hebrew language a pure ancient form so is that like what they taught them in Rebbe's house I, I guess that makes sense you know because I've been saying it's a vernacular but the vernacular would have been Palestinian Aramaic right. and these words are Hebrew That's words so that's actually a good point, so what was, why was the maidservant anyway, look, I mean, maybe she was a very proper woman because she was always trying to whip the rabbis in line, you know they, <laughs> she was the mismanners of the rabbis so <laughs> I don't think so, so anyway, so she was the one that you're right, maybe had this more you know this more, this, this more ancient, pure uh, language that she was connected to. okay, um the other my. I will be mitateit with the with the mitate of destruction. So that's pretty clear, or somewhat clear. So Yomichay mm-hmm. Shemuel Amos to be Rabbi Davus One day they heard the maidservant of Rabbi say to her friend, "Shikulei uh, taatisa, the tati besa, go grab your your tati, your tatis, whatever your mitate, and be mitate your house." So clearly it meant a broom. Okay, that's even imam in modern Hebrew, right? Yes. Isn't a broom a mitate? Yes. Okay. So, no, the yadi and the rabbis did it, know. My Hashem Cast unto God your burden. And God will sustain you. So they didn't know what the word Yahav meant. So, Amr bar Barbarkhana, Yomachar Havi Azwinabah Havi Hahutaya. One day I was going with a certain nomad, or normally translated as Arab, Havi Darina Tuna, and I was carrying a load, the Amrli, and he said to me, Shko Yahav Vecha Vishad you know, take your load and throw it on my camel. So you see, Yahav means your load. Okay, I heard a beautiful, uh, um, uh, what do you call it a um, uh, story of the Dubner Magid I guess of Hashlech HaLashem Yahavecha he says you know what does it mean he says that you know cast your burden to God so he says, says, let me tell you, I'll give you, a, you know, let me tell you a marshal. So here is a marshal. Tell you the story. So, so this guy's going on the road, and he's carrying his really heavy burden, and uh, you know, and a wagon uh, comes by, and the wagon driver says to him, he says, you know, get on my wagon, I'll give you a ride into town. So he gets onto the wagon, and he's still carrying his uh, his load on his back. So the wagon driver looks at him, and he says, what are you doing? Put your load down. Put it in the cart. You know, you're sitting in the cart while you're sitting with the load on the back. Take the load off, put it in the cart. He says, dear Mr. Wagon Driver, you're already doing me such a kindness to carry, me to, you know, to carry me into town. How could I ask you also to carry my load? So, <laughs> so he says, this is what we do. God supports the whole world, sustains the whole world, and we feel we still have to carry our load. God, how could I ask you to carry my load? He says, "It's already sustaining you, so just give your load over to God. They're a the very beautiful little uh, muscle, yes. It's interesting <laughs> have Tanaim and using what would be call academic methodology. Right, looking at, yeah, exploring how yeah. it's commonly used, right. Okay, let's now go to the next Mishnah. Shofar Shal Rosh Hashanah, Shal Ya'el Pashut. And the Shofar of Rosh Hashanah is of a Ya'el, which is a uh, a, a, a mountain goat, right? Ibex. I- 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 Ibex. Okay. I- 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 What's an Ibex I- exactly? There's a picture. And, uh... it's a- uh- like a goat with a big orange that yeah. goes yeah. Okay. somewhat mountain. like a mountain goat yeah it's a, it's a form it's a, okay uh, fine a goat. okay um, also a good scrabble load. okay <laughs> so so they're straight meaning it's not twisted you know it's got a, a curve but it's no. not totally like twisted okay and its mouth would be coated would be plated in gold now this is only in the base of Mikdash we're going to see that we're describing what it would be in the base of Mikdash and again, clearly, they were not talking about your normal blowing of the shofar. There would be two trumpets on the side, on so Rosh Hashanah, the when they blow it, the shofar okay. in the base of HaMiktar. So no <laughs> much for the gold, by the way. Exactly. Exactly. So much for not using the gold. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. A good, excellent point. Okay, shofar <laughs> ma'arich So they would all be playing, but the v'chatzot would go shorter, and the shofar sound would continue longer. So you hear the shofar sound by itself, and also it emphasizes what's the focus but Shofar. The mitzvah of the day is the Shofar. The Chazutzot are only an accompaniment. Now on fast days, because on fast days they would make they would do um, a, a, a shemona Esrei with 24 brachot they would add 6 brachot unique to the fast day and when they would say those 6 brachot in the repetition of the shemona Esrei at the end of each bracha they would do a they would blow the uh, Shofrot and Chatzot's throat and they would say hariu b'nai Aaron hariu, you know Tiku b'nei Aaron, Tiku and then the kohanim, at least in the Beis HaMikdash would blow the Shofrot blow the Chatzot's throat at the end of each of these additional brachot that they made in shemona Esrei on the fast days so, and that time when they and they did that, those in the base of Mikdash, by the way, blowing the shofar and. Even outside the base of they would blow shofar and chosah's rote uh, on fast days in the, you know, in um, all over. So it's a, that is an interesting thing to think about: of the integration of the blowing of a shofar with shmon esrei, with a day that's particularly about reaching out to God and prayer. How we take that model by Shm- by Rosh Hashanah and we basically employ that the idea of using it. Now you could say it's not a Rosh Hashanah model; it's the psukim. Right? The psukim says, you know, uh, you know, it says uh, what's that, Ketavol that you blow the chatzot throat as a way of calling out to God so that already and that's you know and you do it on the korbanot and then tefillah replaces korbanot so the whole idea of the chathot throat as calling out to God is something that played a central role in the tefillot of ta'anit and there the emphasis was chathot throat because that's the psukim in the Torah a but it's an important parallel with Rosh Hashanah a yes. for rain for rain a ta'anit for rain right not our historical ta'anit right. these are the ta'anit, the ta'anit for rain okay now the chauffeurs they would use would be lamb's horns which would be twisted you know like the whole big you know fancy long twisted horns and it would be covered with silver. The, the mouth, the shaychah's throat, the emsa, and the and the and the trumpets would be in the middle, right? Presumably, uh, um, um, the shofar The shofar would be shorter, and the throat would go longer. So there, the show, the trot are the focus. they're in the center, they go longer, and the shofar is just the accompaniment. The mitzvah be on a The mitzvah would be in trot. That would be in the basement Out of the basement mikdash, they would still do blowings, but they would not be with the. In the middle and on the sides and covered with silver. This whole thing about this whole collection of instruments was only in the base Hamikdash. Okay. Now, relatedly, Shavah Yovel Rosh Yovel, the Jubilee year where you also blow a shofar, is similar to Rosh Hashanah with Tkiah the Brachot, for the Tkyot and for the Brachot. Like, you know, how many Tkyot you do. And the various brachots, like, um, you know, Malchios, Yikronos, and Shofros. There is a difference in terms of the nature of the horn that you use. On Rosh Hashanah, you use rams. So notice he's already met, arguing on the first part of the Mishnah that says you use Ya'el. Here he says you use a ram's horn on Rosh Hashanah. Ubi show B'shel Ye'elim. And it's on the Yovel that you use the, 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 um, the Ibex horn. So Rabbi Yehuda basically argues A, Yovel and Rosh Hashanah are not the same for the type of horn and B, he argues what horn they would use on Rosh Hashanah. The is uh, Rams. yeah, the, the ayim is ayim? Rams. Yes. Um, so let's take a look at the Gemara. I you lazy. Mitzvah she Rosh Hashanah she Yom Kippur and okay on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur you use bent horns right and the rest of the year you use meaning on Taniyot you use straight horns so this is getting a little confusing who says what okay so here you have Rosh Hashanah Yovel and Fa'anit okay three possible three times okay the Tanakhama said said Rosh Hashanah was 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 Ya'el pashut? Okay, Ya'el was always pashut. Okay, Yovel presumably the same, and Taniot was was Ayal or Zecharim, and therefore Kipusi. Okay, that's Tanakama. But Yehuda, we don't uh, says that here. You would do you would do Ayal, you would do Kafu, you would do that, and on and on Yovel you would do. You would do Yael. So, number one is he doesn't have it as the same. He has a difference between Rosh Hashanah and Yael. Mm-hmm. And um, number two, he has Rosh Hashanah itself being different. And now in the Gemara, we have Lazy, it's Lazy, right? right Who says Rosh Hashanah would be Ayal, or zukharim you know, if you want to explain within the Gemara, which is Kapuf. And on Yovel, it would be Ayal Trufim. And only on Ta'anit would it be. Ya'el, and therefore Pashut. So, you can figure out the other possible configurations, but you see all the differences here, right? He's like Rebbe Yehuda, that he's got it bent, but he's not like Rebbe Yehuda, because he's got the same thing for, for Rosh and Yovel, okay? But he's also not like Tanakama. <coughs> Tanakama has Ya'el for both. He's got the Ayal. he's got the Chari for both, okay? And he's also not like anybody in terms of the Tanit, here you've got Kfufim. Rabbi Huda didn't have a safe say about the Kfufim, right? And he says it's Pashut. So everybody's all over the map, okay? In terms of what it is. So the is going to try to make some sense of at least what might be informing these different opinions. Let's take a look. So the Gemara says like this. Um, so the Gemara says, that and show Hashanah ya'el Pashut. Doesn't the Mishnah say it's straight on Rosh Hashanah? How could he say it's bent on Rosh Hashanah? Um, so Huda Amar, so he says, Wait a minute. Huda uh, Amr Kiyatana. he says like the Valentana, like Rev Yehuda. Because Rev Yehuda already in the Mishnah says Zicharim, and Zicharim mm-hmm. presumably means Kifufim. So Huda the time Tatana, Tatana, Bright, Rev Yehuda, Mebra, Shana, Yetokim, Shal Zicharim, Kifufim. We have Lok, we should show Yaelim. So it's essentially the Mishnah. The only reason they quoted the Bright there was because in the Bright it's explicit that Zicharim means Kifufim. Okay, so he's like at least like Reb Yehuda that he uses kafuf on Rosh Hashanah. Mm-hmm. They disagree about Yobel, but at least he has a Yehuda of kafuf on Rosh Hashanah. Okay, so the Gemara says like this: um Just tell me we rule like Reb Yehuda. No, ilmarteh hilchosak Reb Yehuda. Had he said that, you show have Reb Yehuda. thought he agrees with Reb Yehuda that Yobel also. Is a, um, is a, uh, uh, uh is, is a, what do you call it? Is a, is a twisted horn. Uh, is a straight horn. Mm-hmm. I was like, Rabbi Huda says that Yovel is a straight horn. You would have thought he agrees with Rebbe Huda there. So, uh, well, um, uh, so wait a minute have you been a future Yovel done with really Kamash Milan that he does not he agrees that it's twisted but as opposed to that it makes a difference between Rajashan and Yovel he keeps with the idea that Rosh Hashanah and Yovel are the same okay so basically that's, you know there's two issues here one issue is is that do you basically feel that Rashana and Yovel have to be the same okay we're, lay, we're lazy in time feel that and Rev. Yehuda does not Rev. Yehuda is willing to deal with each thing separately by the way I want to say an interesting point if we had more time we'd look inside in the Mishnah in Ta'anit that discusses the blowing of the shofar on Taniyot or the Chatzot Tzorat as we spoke about and there when it speaks about the brachot that you make the six extra brachot you make in Mishmona Esrei the Tanakhama says you know what two of those six brachot are? Zichronot and Shofrot, not Malchios, because Malchios isn't re- relevant. But at least mm-hmm. Zichronot and Shofrot. And Reb Yehuda in the Mishnah says you don't do Zichronos and Shofros on Tanis. So Reb Yehuda, mm-hmm. is, doesn't have this idea of just like let's just equate things one another. Everything is distinct. You know, everything has its distinct character. So one issue here is is that is Rosh Hashanah like Yovel or not? Okay, Tanakama and Lady says yes and Rebbe Yehuda and Rebbe Yehuda says no the other issue is is about whether it would be nice if I had another color but is whether you're using Pashut or Kafuf okay it's alright Hanukkah says Paschut and Rebbe Yehuda here says yeah, we'll do it like that Kafuf okay mm-hmm. so you know it's so lazy as having like a, a split sock I like Rebbe Yehuda's idea of Kafuf but I don't like his idea of Yoga being different from Rosh Hashanah Yoga is the same for Rosh Hashanah so they're both going to be um, and visually okay. now it's very easy to read that. I know, I thought so thank yeah. you so, but it's okay you've got the colors and the twisting things <laughs> uh, it's yeah. alright let's just finish up at least this part the end of the Dav so the Gemara says like this what's the debate about I'm sorry Yeah. what's the debate about now forget lady for a minute what's the debate in the Mishnah about whether on Rosh Hashanah you want a straight one or you want a twisted one so the gemara says like this. Bemaykem miflagi. and now I lost my place again. Rosh uh, Hashanah. So now it's very important. Now we're turning to the questions of symbolism and an approach towards Rosh Hashanah. One holds on Rosh Hashanah. Your, your, you know, your, your, das, your intent, your focus should be straight. You know, you're thinking about just going straight to God, bringing your prayers straight to God. You want something straight to symbolize that. I'm sorry, did I get that wrong? Yeah, yeah I, I was jumping out to the next opinion. Excuse me. The more your dot is bent over, meaning it should be about, you know, more like... Supplication, or more like uh, a sense of like uh, b- being down on yourself, you know, focusing on on, on all the tshuva that you have to do, feeling your sense of shame. There's a sense of being sort of bent over, supplicating, negating yourself. That's an approach to Rosh Hashanah. Ubi Yom Kippurim, coming to Yom Kippur, it's more going straight. Now, what does that mean? Going straight. Sarasi says, because on Yom Kippur, on Yovel, it's about announcing freedom. Right? So announce freedom, you don't have a sense of twisted. You want to sort of, it's a, you know, you want to burst it forth and it's straight and it's direct and a straight line, you know, and, and it's just making that announcement, getting it out there. Okay, so that's the idea, of of here it's banked. And here it's straight. A, he doesn't buy in that it has to be the same, and there's a logic for it to be different. You want the announcement to go straight out, you want yourself to be bent over. That's Red Yehuda. And what does the Tanakhama hold? Um, um, Umar Sarva, the Tanakhama hold... Rosh Hashanah come to Pashininhait Sei Mali. No, Rosh Hashanah you should be like going straight to God. Don't focus on beating yourself up and on you know, self abnegation and and, you know and frustration No. Focus on you know getting close to God. Ubitanniyos is a difference, right? Is it about guilt and sin or is it about drawing close? Ubitaniyos come the Kaifini Saite Fei Mali. So bracketing here is a question about yovel, right? Uh, on time is at least, you're going to want, you're go- I'm sorry. Here, on Tannis, that's when you're going to want to be bent over. Tannis, it's about, oh, we're terrible, we sinned, ashes on the head, you know, so that's about focusing on the sin. Rosh Hashanah, interesting, is not so much about focusing on sin and, you know, and negation, and you're terrible, but it's focusing on getting close to God. Very different way of singing about Rosh Hashanah. Before we end, I want to say another thing that connects to this that the Gemara is ignoring, because the Gemara is focusing on twisted versus straight, but also twisted is a ram. And a ram is about right, is about like the Akeda. So the Akeda also, what's the Akeda imagery? It's about self-sacrifice. Mm-hmm. It's about, you know, it's about sort of frustration, giving yourself up. It's a different type of an imagery as opposed to like, if you think about the proud mountain goat there, you know, whatever. So even the animal views are very different and evoke that imagery in a different way. And one final important point is, it ties into an issue we've raised before of is the chauffeur directed to you or is the chauffeur directed to God? If you think about the shofar as a call to do tshuva, that is very much the bent over, and you hear it, and you're fearful, and you know, and, and, and you're reflective that's the Shofar this Rashi if you read Rashi closely Rashi is saying this that's the Shofar that you're hearing but if you think of the Shofar as part of our prayers and as the way of bringing our prayers to God so bringing your prayers to God is not a a twisted direction bringing your prayers to God is like the straight you know the straight line to God so there's a lot of very interesting things in the symbolisms here how the symbolisms match the shape Mass the animal, and also what those say about whether shofar is directed to you or is it directed to God. Tosfos has a long discussion about w- w- how do we paskin. You know, we so and Tosfos actually says, is this presumably this is only it's only a symbolic question, it's not a real halachic issue, but Tosa at the end says, no, maybe it's actually halakh and it's ne'akeh, and if you don't have the right one, you're really not yotzeh, okay, which is like hard to believe, we certainly don't possibly that way, because as Tosa says, the first Mishnah says, everything is kashter for a shofar so the general assumption here is this is just a symbolic question but nevertheless a real important thing at the heart of how do we think about what shofar is all about and with that